Last week we considered born-again Christians in terms of them being newborn babies, desirous of the sincere milk of the word. In other words, having an unrelenting hunger and thirst for spiritual food, having tasted and seen that the Lord Jesus Christ is good, that he is gracious. That's who you are, Christian. You have that hunger and thirst for the word of God because you have a hunger and thirst for Jesus, the living word. The passage that we shall look at today refers to the temple of the Lord as a spiritual house made up of born-again Christians who are described as lively stones or living stones. Holding everything together in that house is Jesus, who is described in the passage not only as a lively stone, but also as the chief cornerstone. So we're Christians, we're all lively stones, including Jesus, but additionally, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Let's have a look again at verse 4 in 1 Peter chapter 2. To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. The whom that is referred to in verse 4 is Jesus, whom born again Christians have tasted and they have seen he is gracious. We see that in the previous verse, in verse 3, that the whom is Jesus. The act of coming to Jesus, as we see it in verse 4, refers to believing in him. When you come to Jesus, you believe in Jesus. For example, in John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus said two things there, but essentially they mean the same thing. Coming to Jesus is believing in Jesus. And they are both continuous. The believing is continuous. The coming to Jesus is continuous. The life that a born-again Christian lives is continuously by faith in the Son of God who loved him and who gave himself for him. And he is continuously coming to his Saviour, drawing nearer and nearer to him each and every day by the grace of God. When you think of coming to Jesus in terms of drawing near to him, how near are you to Jesus? Are you as near as you can get? I don't imagine that any of us are. The hymn writer's prayer was, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. May that be your earnest desire and your prayer, to keep coming to Jesus and drawing ever closer to him. In verse 4, the Lord Jesus Christ is referred to as a lively 
or living stone. It's more usual to think of a stone not as living but as dead. However, Jesus is very much alive, having poured out his precious blood, having laid down his life at the cross as an atonement for sin. Jesus is alive forevermore. Also in verse 4, it is written that Jesus is chosen by God. We've become used to the idea in this letter that Christians are chosen by God. They are the elect of God. We see that at the beginning of chapter 1 and verse 2. That Christians are chosen, elect of God, before the foundation of the world for salvation. But so too is Jesus. Jesus is elect And if you're a Christian, you are elect in him. But with regards to Jesus being chosen by God, the the fact that Jesus was handpicked by God for the work of redemption is clearly stated in prophecy, such as in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1, where it is written, Behold my servant, Whom I uphold, mine elect. Talking about Jesus here. Mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. It's all contained in prophecy. Jesus was chosen by his father. Again, before the foundation of the world. To come down into this wicked world of sin. To redeem a chosen people. Even though Jesus is chosen by his Father and is precious to him and to all who come to him in repentance, in the, with repentance in their hearts, he is nevertheless rejected and hated by a world that is in rebellion against God. For example, Speaking about Jesus, about 700 years before he came into the world, the prophet Isaiah said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Then when you get to the New Testament, The following is written about the Jews in John chapter 1 verse 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. More broadly, the whole unbelieving world hates, rejects and receives not the Lord Jesus Christ who is light and they hate his gospel. Instead, people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. This is the world we live in, a Christ-hating world. People don't necessarily go around saying, I hate Jesus, but it's evident in their rejection of him and his gospel message. Let's have a look at verse 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices 
acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Although many people in the world imagine themselves to be spiritual, they are in fact spiritually dead. If they are not born again by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. However, Christians really are spiritual in that they are born again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of their great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ from the dead. Also, they are spiritual because they are indwelt by God, the Holy Spirit. Therefore, far from being spiritually dead, Christians, born-again Christians, are, are living stones. They are spiritually alive, as can be seen in verse 5. In Matthew's Gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ referred to himself as a rock when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In fulfilment of those words, day by day, people who have been ordained to God, to eternal life, chosen by God to receive forgiveness and eternal life, they are being raised up from spiritual death, and they are being added as members to the one true church, of which Jesus is the head. However, what is being presented to the reader in verse 5 is not so much this picture of the, the church as the body of Christ and all the Christians are members of that one body and Jesus is the head of the body. We're being presented something different here in verse 5. We're being presented with a spiritual house made up of lively stones, born-again Christians, with Jesus holding everything together as the chief cornerstone. As such, these verses teach us much about who the born-again Christian is and his relationship with God. There's a lot of teaching in here about our relationship with God. For one thing, as living stones, Christians are a holy priesthood in a spiritual house which is held together and kept secure by the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Although, as I have already said, the spiritual house is the temple of the Lord, it is a very different temple to the earthly one that used to be in Jerusalem. That temple has long ceased to exist and all its sacrifices and burnt offerings have been fulfilled at the cross when Jesus offered himself as the sacrificial lamb of God. The temple in Jerusalem, it's finished. Over and done with. Obsolete. All the temple worship. Gone. Fulfilled at the cross. <clears throat> also, the, whole, the holy priesthood within the spiritual house does not consist of priests from the tribe of Levi as it did in the Old Testament and it does not consist of man-appointed priests like you see in the Roman Catholic Church. Priests appointed by bishops or cardinals or the Pope or whoever. Rather, every born-again Christian or living stone that makes up the spiritual house 
is a priest of the Most High God. That means that you, dear Christian, are a priest and Jesus is the great heavenly high priest. Every one of you who believes in Jesus is a holy priest of the Most High God. Perhaps you can understand why in chapter 1 verse 16 we read, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Be ye holy as a priest of the Most High God. As a priest, you are to offer sacrifices to God. That's what priests do, isn't it? They offer sacrifices to God. But as has already been said, Jesus has already offered himself as the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. Even so, you are to offer up spiritual sacrifices, such as the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. Also, do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Your spiritual sacrifices are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We see that at the end of verse 5. All that you do, everything that you offer up to God is accepted in Jesus. It's very important to understand that. It means that everything that you offer up as a holy priest is scented with the sweet aroma of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one whose works, his finished works at the cross are have been accepted by God when Jesus was raised again from the dead. And everything that we offer is in Jesus, the one who said it is finished after completing his work of redemption. However, if you are not trusting in Jesus, understand very clearly that nothing that you do and nothing that you vainly imagine that you are offering up to God will be acceptable to him. God will not hear your prayers and his wrath abideth on you if you are not trusting in his dearly beloved son as your saviour from sin. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? If you reject Jesus, you can't really imagine God to be pleased with your prayers and your offerings, the things that you do, the things that you say. The wrath of God abides on you. There is more in these verses on what it means to be a living stone in a spiritual house that is held together by Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone. For example, in verse 9, it is written that Christians are a chosen generation. Have a look at that, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness 
into his marvellous light. Where it says that you are a chosen generation, that means that you are an elect nation. That is the language of the Old Testament where it is written that Israel was was chosen by God from among all the other nations of the world to be his peculiar or special people and he gave them the land of Canaan to live in. That promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Ultimately, Christians are people who are chosen by God to receive forgiveness for for sins and to live in his presence forevermore. In the new heavens and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. In the Old Testament, there were priests and there were kings. The priests came from the tribe of Levi and the kings came from the tribe of Judah. You couldn't be both. You couldn't be a priest and a king. However, the Lord Jesus Christ is both the great heavenly high priest and he is the king of glory whose kingdom has no end. In him, Christians are a royal priesthood. Jesus has combined the two offices. Jesus, because he is the priest, the high priest in heaven, because he is the king of glory, you who belong to him, you are a royal priest. According to verse 9. What was said by the Apostle Peter about Christians being redeemed with the precious blood of Christ in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, and about them being a royal priesthood here in chapter 2 and verse 9, was also stated by the Apostle Paul, sorry, the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, where John said the following, about Jesus unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and have made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever amen We have spent most of our time considering born-again Christians who are lively stones that make up the spiritual house. I would now like to finish with a consideration of the lively stone that holds everything together, the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the chief cornerstone. Let's have a look at verses 6 through to 8. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner." and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offence, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Verse 6 is a partial quote from 
the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16, which describes Jesus as a precious cornerstone and a sure foundation. You've got a bit of extra information when you look at it in the Old Testament. Precious cornerstone and a sure foundation. Verse 6 here says that all of you who are trusting in him shall not be confounded. In other words, you will not be put to shame. Your faith is not in vain and all and and all of that is because you stand on solid ground. Jesus, your chief cornerstone and your sure foundation. Verse 7 and 8 present a contrast. I trust that for all of you who believe in Jesus, he is your most precious possession. I mean that quite literally. If you're a Christian, Jesus ought to be more precious to you than anyone or anything. However, the word that has been translated precious in verse 7 is more often than not translated honour. As such, in verse 7, the word precious refers to the honour that you have in Jesus. Let's have a look at that again. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the cornerstone. There is a contrast going on there. Uh, But to you who are trusting in him, You have honour. You have been granted honour. The honour that you have in Jesus, such as being lively stones in a spiritual house, being royal priests in a holy nation, that's a lot of honour that has been bestowed upon you. Considering you come into this world as a hell-deserving sinner, that's not bad, is it? You need to understand that the alternative to that is very solemn and very sobering indeed for the disobedient. In other words, for all who are not trusting in Jesus and his gospel, such as the people referred to in verse 7 as the builders who disallowed or rejected him. The Pharisees were such in that they tried to build their own spiritual house without the chief cornerstone because they and indeed the Jewish nation as a whole rejected Jesus. They were trying to build themselves a house without the chief cornerstone. Talk about foolish, that's foolish. Consequently, in AD 70, their man-made house quite literally came tumbling down when the Roman legions destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. The same end awaits all of you who imagine that you can somehow build a spiritual house on anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ who is the chief cornerstone and he is the sure foundation. Jesus is not only the chief cornerstone for all who believe in him, he is, according to verse 8, a stone of stumbling to the disobedient. That doesn't sound too good, does it? 
Being a cheap cornerstone, yeah, that's great. But being a stone of stumbling, not so good. And that is to those who reject him. The stumbling that is spoken of in verse 8 is not merely a little fall whereby you pick yourself up and dust yourself down. Far from it. It's infinitely and eternally more serious than that. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 the Apostle Paul spoke about Jesus being revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, Paul was talking about when Jesus comes again, being revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who know not God and that obey not the gospel. Obey not the gospel. In other words, they don't believe in him. Therefore, All of you who are not trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and for your acceptance before God, now is the time to come to him. Come as you are. Come as a needy sinner and take refuge in him. Finally, dear Christian, the honour that God has bestowed upon you as his child and the exaltation that you have in Christ as a living stone and as a royal priest, far exceeds all the honours and high positions of this world. You are infinitely more royal than anyone who belongs to an earthly royal family if that person does not belong to Jesus. You have far more honours bestowed upon you than the kings and queens of this world if they do not belong to Jesus. As you live your born again life as a royal priest, set apart and consecrated to the most high God, may your conversation and your conduct be honest among those who insult you and persecute you because of your faith in Jesus. That when they are, uh, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God. As Jesus, the great heavenly high priest said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In Jesus' name, Amen.